yes, 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 yes! That was a goal! Striker! And another! Bing bang, stick it in! Thank you and good night! Twat! That was liquid football! Uh, shit! Did you see that? Hello, everybody! <laughs> It's your old friends on Monday Madness, and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. Uh, joined as ever by my uh, two colleagues, Neil and Bert Bob. Uh, lads, football is officially back. We've been, we've it's been already watching. Over. It's already over, yes. I was first about to say that, yeah. Um, Johnny, you, you will be shocked to hear that I'm more um, jovial than most uh, episodes. I don't know. What is it? It must be the new Benzo Days of Pins I'm on lately. But uh, either way, I'm having a very lovely time right now. And I didn't realize Chelsea could be the key to that happiness. But here we are. This is, uh, these are Frank the strange Lampard times we live in. Frank Lampard's Chelsea, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I had to get in their full name or else uh, I just disrespect their, uh, their contribution to what is Liverpool winning the Premier League. Oh, can't they sue you for like copyright if you don't call them like, you know, the FLC? No, uh, the FLC is taken, I think. Um, oh, all right. Yeah, so it's actually the other way around. If you call them the FLC, then the FLC sued to you for confusing them with Frank Lampard's Chelsea. It's really fucking confusing, to be honest with you. That's why I just don't get involved in it. So anyway, um, before we get on with the, the serious business of uh, celebrating Liverpool's 30-year uh, wait for a Premier League trophy, um, I realise I'm not in the right company for this, but here we are. Um, <laughs> So uh, let's move on then to our, I suppose, our meat and, meat and bones of this podcast, which is our Premier League rundown. jingle again uh, so we've had an arse load of football to talk about but um of various different levels of quality so there's gonna be a lot of matches we're gonna just breeze through because literally nothing happened the ratio <laughs> of like nil all and one all draws in these fixtures is pretty pretty bad but weren't we kind of expecting it to be that way really yeah like um the players have been out for like three months mm. it's now hotter weather then they would be used to playing regularly in. Um, yeah, like it's just, you can't expect teams as well to, in this kind of unknown kind of, uh, when our managers have had time to think, they've had time to think tinker with their formations and um, some teams might consider themselves safe. So therefore they have that kind of, um, or they've met their requirements already for the season, like teams yeah. staying up and stuff like that. so they give young blood a chance uh and it's kind of just a bit of a mess i suppose mm. um you can't predict what's going to happen so managers are being real cautious I, I that's what i have found um since the return is that the plays have been quite cautious mm. managers you know kind of 
uh, holding back, I suppose, on attacking football uh, in order to be safe. Mm. Yeah, um, I think I've been kind of get that vibe as well because I think they're all terrified of like a hamstring or an ACL happening, which I think, yeah. like the the studies from all the other leagues have said, like the rates have gone up by like nearly 200, 250%. So they're all terrified of like their star player or their captain just suddenly just snapping a hamstring, turning, you know. Because like, as you said, like all their bodies are like in their off-peak periods now. So they're not designed to run. <laughs> they're designed to eat. <laughs> eat, sleep, and potentially have sex if you're Kyle Walker. So yeah, it's um, it, it's not great. Like, uh, as it, it has kind of shown on the pitch, like in fairness, like the football has been pretty like poor in most places. There's been one or two good matches, but it's because like those are the bigger teams with better facilities and better like uh, basically a bit like squad depth. Yeah, exactly. Squad depth as well, <clears throat> big factor. So in a way, I, like it I do think um, I think people looking at football from a tactical point of view would be quite interested to see the the way these five substitutions have been allowed and how they have been brought in. Mm. Um, and, also, and also the fact that the five substitutions can't be made in five stages. They have to be made in three. Yes. So you can yeah. you'll only make three stages of substitutions. Exactly. Yeah. So you might have a game plan going into a match, but as we have found out as Arsenal fans, that like within four minutes, that could go out the window when your captain goes down and, you know done his ankle and stuff but um <laughs> like kind of these kind of unforced um or unkind of planned um substitutions can throw off the substitution tactics that you've had for the game yeah and then you're kind of yeah i think i think it's been really interesting to see like some managers have coped really well with that and then some managers have not and those will get talking about it as we go through some of the matches but mm. it's been i found that an interesting aspect of this yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, as you said, like we might as well just jump into the matches then, because we have two and a bit uh, match days to go through, which was a, a very quick succession. We're basically having two match days a week now, just to get the season wrapped up. Um, so there was two matches left over from before the uh, lockdown, which were teams that were cup tied, and uh, <laughs> the two of them in particular was uh, first off Aston Villa versus Sheffield United, which is technically our first game back. And uh, I just want you guys at home to picture the scene here, right? I rushing home to get back and we all the three of us all set up a Zoom call going oh yeah the football's back let's go and enjoy this match uh, overlapping centre-backs versus Jack Grealish and his floppy hair this is going to be great fucking crack fucking nothing happens for 45 minutes literally just nothing like a big ball of nothing and more nothing and the only thing that was actually interesting from it was because literally nothing happened on a goal that should have happened like that was the that was the match was the fact that like goal and technology failed and like Pretty, really, like blatantly failed because, like, even from the yeah. in real time, you could tell that got that ball crossed the line. Uh, but because essentially there was too many people blocking all seven cameras, uh, apparently they couldn't give it. And then Nyland apparently was clever enough to like tap the ball with the goalpost, so he so then the, the camera couldn't like retroactively look back at it. So, real kicking the balls for Sheffield United, in fairness, because that goal, whichever way you could, it should have been given. Like oh, and the fact that VAR didn't intervene was just so baffling. Like surely you could just roll back the footage and prove it. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, you take a look at it and Nyland's basically fucking hashed the catch, mm. which is pretty much a routine catch. It should have gone down as an own goal for him. Yeah, that was it. He catches the ball and then stumbles backwards because he's mistimed his jump so badly. 
mm. and he stumbled backwards with the ball in his hands and falling into the goal with it. And he's falling into the side netting yeah. with the ball still in his hands. And it's, it's one of the craziest fucking things I've ever seen a professional goalkeeper do. Like, I, honestly, like, I've played in some fucking dire amateur matches in my time and I've mm. never seen a goalkeeper fucking fall into the goal with the ball still in his hands. Um, and then to compound that with Barr not giving it because it wasn't switched on. I was going, Basically, that's all it was. It was literally no one fucking switched on the cameras. Oh, or like that's so what, well, that's not what, they're, not what they're saying. They've covered the arse by saying, yeah, all seven cameras were blocked. <sighs> Mad how that works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, for, and for once, you can't really blame, like... Michael, Michael Oliver was the ref, wasn't he? Yeah, he was so yeah. desperate to give it. He he knew himself like it was a goal, but he, he has he he's obliged to go by the watch. Like yeah, that's um, it. So it's kind of it's, it's, the thing is you can't actually blame him because he's like yeah. I have to rely on the, the technology is here for me to rely on. So if it says no goal, I have to go with no goal. Exactly. Which, what I found the funniest was the reaction of one of the Sheffield United assistants, and like they're all there, like like Chris Walder just had a chat with the referee. And like Chris Wilder is like he's you know he's he's pretty blunt at the best of times being a Yorkshire being a Yorkshireman, and he had to walk up, explain then get explained to by the referee what happened, and then explain to his own assistant coaches who are presumably like him, and they're all there with like lovely little cups of tea, uh, like actual <laughs> cups as well, which I found so so endearing, and he's there just going like you can see the amount of what happened, and then one of the assistant coaches just like is so livid, you can see the cup shaking, and he's just fucking shaking his head, he's just. <laughs> He's ready to kill every single hawk in the planet because the system <laughs> failed. Like, so funny. It, it says so much about the football that, like, that was the only interesting thing to happen, really. No, was... Nothing else happened. Like, nothing no. else happened in that match. Like, except I drank more alcohol in preparation for my nerves hitting in for uh, the, the upcoming match. Yes. <laughs> and uh, as it turns out, you are very correct with that approach uh, because what happened was a typical... Glorious, glorious, self-destructive Arsenal performance. Yeah, like, it was great. It was like watching really, a, a, glorious, I, a glorious, self-destructive David Louise performance. Mm. Um, th- this is where it kind of the, uh, like obviously watching this with you guys and with alcohol. Um, I wasn't <laughs> really paying. I wasn't, I suppose, uh, conscious and cognizant of all the things going around on the pitch that I've since looked back on and kind of looked at tactics wise, what were we trying to do? Cause I remember mm. when we got the team sheet, we were going, what the fuck yeah, is this? One. Like it was really young. We had Nketia, we had, uh, Willock, um, which, Saka. Saka, um, <clears throat> which was, we had no Pepe, we had no Ozil. Um, and this was kind of the talking point like that, like, oh my God, he hasn't included the big players or whatever. Tactically, looking back at it, I can see where he's coming from. Uh, I think I might have said it on the call at the time where I kind of twigged that Manchester City had no warm-up matches coming into the mm. match. Um, maybe tire them out with all the young lads running around and then pick off the you know more finesse players in the, you know, in the second half bring them on, have a, you know, chance to go. I do think that was probably part of his plan. Yeah. But straight in the match, we've got Jack to go down with a, a badly sprained ankle. Um, and then our new centre-back, uh, Mary, gets 
take it off. So within the first 20 minutes, or the first half anyway, we lose two players. Yeah, 20 mm-hmm. minutes. Marty, Marty went off after 21 minutes. Yeah. 21 minutes. It just feels like Louise came on and made an instant impact. But uh, obviously... He sure did. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, those were two substitutions, two separate substitutions, which meant that, like, Arteta then had, like, three substitutes that, like, had to be made all at the same time. We had to pick a time in the match. I, I just think everything just got so fucked up. But, yeah. yeah. We probably could have hung on. We never know if we could have, except, you know, David Louise. Um fucking sideshow Bob clown of a man. Yeah. Um destroyed all hope. All hope. Um I I know I, I Neil would probably be a bit more eloquent and angry about this, but uh <laughs> Is there any really point to me? Like it's even looking back at it, it's just like like you could even blame it on on like on being cold or being like out of like rate or ring rust or something. He just puts his leg up in the air and expects it to to be able to hit it off his shin or something and volley it out. It's just purely like not thinking about what you're doing. It, it's it's my dad messaged me and he was like, I did not expect to come away from uh, the Etihad with a win. Mm-hmm. I he was like, I even less expected to turn my TV off and shout at the cat for 40 minutes <laughs> about, about David Louise ruining my club. Um, so yeah, at halftime, after uh, Louise, uh, well, whatever the penalty, he conceded the penalty, my dad turned off the match and mm. shouted at the cat for 40 minutes. So, um, you know, that broke him, I think. You know, yeah. He's been an Arsenal fan for, you know, 40 years, but that broke him. That's what it was, yeah. And that was, and and then obviously the penalty happened as well. And like, there's no, you couldn't even like question it. He is just literally just pulling out of the fucking city player. Like, what else were yeah, you that's expecting? The that's the thing. Like the, the mad thing about it was is that people were like, <laughs> oh, I thought they did away with the double, the double penalty, like the double um, fault, yeah, jeopardy. the double fault, double jeopardy, there. yeah. And I went double jeopardy, and I went, well, yeah, they have done. Had he made a legitimate attempt to play the fucking ball. Yeah, so that had, was it. He gone, had he tried to slide tackle, missed the ball, and took him out, he'd have gotten a yellow and conceded a penalty. Mm. But he absolutely did not do that. <laughs> Quite so, the opposite. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so he was, and he was on the pitch for fucking twenty-four minutes or something like total time half an hour. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, like there's a reason he didn't start. Mm. And like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> just a, just a dread in the room is just something else. Like, it's just it was a, it was just a despair. And I think what makes it worse is that like this he has this performance, which is perhaps one of the worst performances you'll see on a pitch since Dejan Lovren, and that's saying a lot. Like, um, and then you you don't compound this like after seeing him play perhaps his worst match of his career. Like, slung off, slung off after 30 minutes, being sent off, conceded the first goal, conceded a penalty, red card. Like, that's a, that's a zero out of 10 for a centre-back. And then you compound them by giving them an extra year. Like, yeah. Well, I, I think that's purely a case of we won't be able to sell him on for any money, so we're not going to get any money back for him. And, like, 
trying to buy in someone to replace him is going to be too expensive. Uh, if mm. it was me personally, I would take whichever fucking graduate is coming up to our academy uh, yeah. over him uh, for the rest of the season. Like our season is now. I'm not saying based on this Man City match again. I wasn't expecting to come away from the Etihad with a win. Yeah. Um, at most, I was hoping for, and I was like, on a day you look at the team sheets, yeah, we could easily grab a draw if we don't, you know, decide to hand fucking goals over to Kevin De Bruyne and Sterling. Yeah. Um I know De Bruyne didn't score but like he he fucking masterful. But um so he scored the penalty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sterling didn't score. Yeah, he scored Sterling the first goal and then De Bruyne and Foden, I think, after that. Foden knocked it in in like the ninety third or ninety Yeah, something like, like that. Ninety fourth minute. Yeah. Like but yeah, it's... It, it Go on ahead there, sorry. No, just say like Three nil is um it looks rough on paper, but when you think take the two goals that David Louise handed them on a golden fucking platter, mm. um and that last goal being in the ninety you know whatever minute, yeah, like I'm not saying we should have won that match. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying that if we didn't have David Louise on the pitch, who knows how actually like how we could have gotten on in that match? Yeah, exactly. So I yeah. feel like actually. We weren't awful. I did like the idea of running around and get, you know, and bringing on maybe Pepe at the end to kind of fucking waste them, you know, um, with with his pace. But we never get to know. We never know how what Arteta's plan should have been. Yeah. Between yeah, the injuries and the substitutes in the first half, and then David Louise ruining everything for everyone. Yep. Exactly. Um, and as I said, like Arsenal do continue this rich, rich form going into a match, what would be match day 30. Um, we have a bit of few games in between though before then. Uh, the Friday night football at the time was uh, a 3-0 hammering by Southampton uh, against Norwich. Uh, I actually watched this game myself. Um, just really good goals. Like, I'm not going to lie. To see an Ingsy score again just warms my scouser heart knowing that he's still doing bits for someone else. Uh, and uh, Redmond scored a cracker as well. So, uh, secret Irishman, um, Nathan Redmond. And uh, Spurs and Man United then had a one-all draw, which was a, that was a pretty good game too, in fairness. Um, I, was, I was kind of pleasantly <laughs> surprised by both teams. It, really? Oh, yeah. Pleasantly surprised both teams played like complete arse. No, they, well, they were, they were fairly... Like, okay, now, Harry Kane, not so much. Jesus Christ, not in the, <laughs> not in the fucking ballpark at all. But... The the movement of like the likes of Bergwijn and uh, Son on those two flanks really did cause like you know a lot of trouble. And then you know I just well, like came back a good well, bit, Berg, just controlled Berg the field. Berg, well, this match is pretty much like um, it, it's quite famous because it's like Roy Keane. It got Roy Keane back into the <sighs> meme, yes. the meme thing because he went mad. And funnily enough, I actually kind of agree with him on a lot of it. Mm. Um, um, I don't agree. You should punch a goalkeeper if he makes a mistake. But um, I do agree with David De Gea shouldn't be making those mistakes. He shouldn't be, no. Same with um, Maguire, although Maguire seemed to have dug United out of it because he just scored the winning goal against Norwich in the FA Cup there. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the semis. But in any case, yeah, so Bergwin shouldn't have been allowed to get where he did. So Shaw kind of lets him run away. Maguire lets him get goal side, which is something mm. you never do when you're a defender. Yeah. And then so Bergwin, having gotten to this great plot, great spot, great place, Forrest. Now, don't get me wrong. I know he's only a wee lad, but I reckon he could kick a ball very fucking hard. He does, actually. He does have a bit of a fizz in him. 
he does well here, but he's still like he bellies it straight at the hair. So like <laughs> the hair, all the hair has to do really is just stay still. Smother it. Yeah. It's stay still and not even smother it, but just bounce it out. Like and, like if somebody thump if he somebody thumps something right at you in a position where they should not have been in. Mm. It just keeps it all out. It doesn't fucking matter. Like if the ball pings straight off you and straight back to him and he scores, nobody's looking at you. You shouldn't have been in the place to fucking score the goal to begin with. Yeah. But to have the ball go in off your wrist having it fired at you. Uh, for somebody who's supposedly one of the best keepers on the planet. Daniel Mori isn't, let's be honest. We were saying this before the lockdown. Like, yeah, no, no, we were saying this we were saying this before the lockdown, but mm. a lot of people could write us off as just piling in on United because none of us like them. Um and there is a degree of truth to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fairness, in fairness, you can see where they're coming uh, from. <laughs> but like he's racking up the he's right like Shaw looks the Shaw looks like he's come back from the lockdown really heavy. He has yeah. been hitting the ranch he's been hitting the ranchers burgers. He looks really slow. <laughs> and uh, like McGuire, I never really rated him much as a defender. Mm. Uh, and he, he was terrible. Um, and yeah, De Gea, we've been saying he's been getting error prone. Yeah, he has been. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a howler. That's an absolute fucking howler. It is, especially for someone who, again, as you said, so is supposed to be one of the best keepers in the league. Um, world. But yeah, in the world. Yeah, true. Um, so, Burkbot, moving on then uh, to the Saturday games, and uh, we want to talk about some actual proper good goals in a game that had literally nothing happened to it until the 90th minute. Um, talk to us about Watford Leicester, the Nigel Pearson derby. I So, I, I don't know, I think I was messaging you guys just saying this is a really fucking end to end game. Yeah. Um, now, Watford that we're playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, I... you're, you're, you're correct. <laughs> so, so going into this match, I was like, ah, these are the ones with Traore and he's really, and they're re- doing really well at the minute. And it actually took a long time for me to figure out that these were actually the relegation ended W team and not the Europe, Europe kind of chasing team. Mm-hmm. Um, because they play really fucking well. It was end to end um uh what well, like uh keepers were kept relatively busy but it wasn't entirely like, being peppered with shots but it was just good open play for the neutral or the clueless if you will uh mm. it was quite enjoyable to watch um then uh i felt it was against the run of play chilwell went up and scored a fucking screamer in the Love 89th minute oh like fucking whips it in um, and I was like oh my god that's so bad for Watford uh, they didn't deserve that um, and, but um, straight away the, like from the kickoff almost uh, Watford got their equaliser and I, I, they couldn't there wouldn't have been a team that deserved it more because it was a fantastic game of football uh, it was like what I've been like watching the Bundesliga where it's kind of like I don't know who these teams are these are great uh, except I knew Leicester but like I wouldn't be a fan of them I would just you know I can appreciate if they've good players and I, I really mm. fucking rate Phil well oh my god um, yeah. a couple yeah. of other decent players but uh, Chilwell obviously with the goal stood out but I do uh, 
I've been kind of keeping an eye out in that position. Um, uh, kind of uh, that that would have been the position I would have played in school, like kind of that left wing, left back kind of thing. Mm. So I always kind of try and keep an eye out for that kind of um, player and good good things that they do. And I just feel like as an attacking option, he's very good, but also his defensive positioning was quite good as well. Um, yeah, you can kind of see why Chelsea really want them, or have been rumoured to really, really want them. And City and as well. City. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Definitely see City putting in about like a multi. I was to get him and then forget about Saka. Yeah, in fairness, like I think it would, it would probably suit both most parties there. The one thing I found about the Watford goal is that, like, you know, Watford player scores an overhead kick. It's like, oh yeah, Delafeo, yeah, he did something. Oh, wasn't Delafeo? Oh, I wasn't that new guy, Sar. It wasn't Sar. With the Dini? No, of course it's not Dini. Don't be stupid. Uh, Craig Dawson, of all people. <laughs> The one person. I thought he was dead. <laughs> no, do you know what? I know exactly what you did, right? I'd say you confused him for fucking Garrett McCauley, his mate at West Brom. I guarantee you that's what you're thinking. Because I know how your brain works. I know you know Garrett McCauley, but you don't know the guy he used to be beside him at, at Bromley. I, you're thinking yeah. about it now, and I know, you, I know how your brain works. That's what, that's what you've been thinking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's let's move on before we expose Burkbot as a fraud here. Uh, well, actually, speaking of frauds, uh, Brighton two, Arsenal one. Neil, it's all yours. <laughs> Talk to us about this game. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, Arsenal. They just played pretty much exactly like what we are, which is a work in progress still. Mm. Um, it was just it was ridiculous, you know. Um, went it. This was really a must-win match, or at the very yeah. least, it was a must-not-lose match. And of course, uh, with Arsenal going into these types of things, yeah, we really, really fucking made it. Did our best to do it. Um, so yeah, so I mean, fucking losing Leno to what looked like a horrendous ACL injury mm. um, after Mope shoved him in the fucking midair. Which we've gone into previous in previous podcasts. Boy, this isn't fucking punishable by anything. But and then of course he would go and score the fucking winner. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean it was fucking. Ah, it was just a fucking terrible, fucking awful match. <laughs> it um, fucking was. Yeah. So I mean, I, yeah. I. Uh, we'll just jump in there with the, the Leno thing. Um, we've seen before when we have an Arsenal player get a horrific injury where their leg points the wrong way. Um, and that mentally affects the team. And, you know, we saw it at Stoke. We've seen it at um, Stoke again. Uh, <laughs> Stoke um, again. Stoke again. Uh, no, we've seen that, like, um, the Arsenal players, like, you know, they just can't, move on from the injury and I feel like that kind of happened um, uh, during this match and like what I found kind of I know it's been talked about in other like medias and other podcasts where Leno's the only one kind of pointing the finger and he's like literally sitting up on the stretcher like shouting at Maupe going like you fucking did this you cunt mm. um, and none of the other players kind of got riled up like I know if that was me, and I've been there where I've been stretchered off the pitch and my team rallies behind me and then goes off to win the game 
you know, for, you know, for Birkbot, way. <laughs> there was none of that. There wasn't any of that. It was, oh shit, Lena's gone. Really. Well, fuck now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of should be pointed out that, like, in the City game, until, like, David Louise decided to make his mark, Leno was pretty much keeping us in it. Mm. Yeah. Um, like, he's been our player of the season, like, by a country fucking mile. Um, yeah. Pepe's goal was brilliant, but yeah. I, I know I cheered and I was like, woo, this is great, like, let's kick on from here. There was no fucking kick on. It was, yeah. oh shit, we're 1-0 we're up away from home. Let's hold on. And it's like, no, you've got Mustafi in the team. You don't hold on. We have an untested second keeper now in goals. Let's mm. not hold on. Uh, that cunt is who's after breaking up our keeper is still on the pitch. Let's try and fucking get at him. Yeah. Um, and then they wait until after the 90th uh, like, you know, minute to go up and surround him and choke him and have him flop around on the floor. Um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was saying there, I was like, wow, like, where was this attention to Mope when he was sauntering through the defence in the 91st fucking minute to score the winner? You know? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a cunt and a prick, and we should not accept his fucking apology mm. um, because it was a late tackle on a player who was not in control of their own body. Um, it's a straight red card in rugby. Oh yeah, you get you go off for that in rugby. That's I a, I have been simbin for it in GAA. Yeah, like it is like you know it's GAA where you are both meant to be jumping up high for a ball. If you make it look like you're, if you don't hide the fact that you're obviously trying to take them out, then you're getting a simbin. Yeah. Um. You know it. It's just yeah. No, it's we can't just blame that though because there was just no. Uh, again, we can say that Arteta didn't get to do his game plan because of substitutions happened to be kind of forced into his game plan with injuries. Yeah. yeah. But with um, uh, like with this game, like there was just what really just disappointed me was that there was no kind of kick on. There was no like um, rallying for the player from any of mm. our squad, and that just has me more frustrated and worried about the team than maybe Arteta's team selection or I know because people are giving out about team selection like I don't have too much of a problem with what he selected compared you know look at what he has to yeah. on offer um but yeah it, it just um this crushed this crushed me I think the word I've used for this is immaturity because that's kind of what this Arsenal team is at the moment like if you look at like there's a distinct lack of leadership in the Arsenal team, and that's not really news at this rate. When you do have, like, your best captain choices are Xhaka and Aubameyang, one player who is so fucking petulant on the pitch, like, one, like, he's so, his tackling is so bad for a player of his position. And I know he doesn't normally, he shouldn't be playing this position, but he ends up playing it anyway. Like, he's so rash as a player. You don't want someone like him as a captain. I know, I understand in the club within, like, in, internally, he's a very good captain and he's a very good leader. But on the pitch, like you do need someone just to have a cooler head and to control the game. Uh, and then you have a Bamiang who, let's face it, wants out of the club. That's not a good influence as a captain. And outside of that, then you don't really have anyone. Like you have, you will have natural leaders there in like the next year or two, like Holden and Chambers. Depends on if they get on the pitch, of course. 
And then what else have you got for senior players? David Luiz and, and Mesut Ozil. They're not very good role models for young players. So fortunately, you have the likes of Mikel Arteta there to serve as that influence, if you like. So the likes of Saka and the likes of uh, Willock and Nile, Maitland-Niles can like at least fall under that particular tree rather than listen to the fucking mercenary in the corner. But when you look at a player like Guendouzi, for example, and the way he acted on, basically like spurring on the Brighton team with his uh, fucking shitty banter, like that's the kind of culture you have at Arsenal. His pockets are fucking heavy. Like, but, but hang on, now. like he's probably the. I think someone made this point. Like, he's the lowest paid player at Arsenal in the in that team. He's got nothing to fucking brag about. And he's a. Let's be face it. Like he's a he's a bit part player in that team. As much as he's got promise and potential, he's not like a first eleven player. So he's got nothing to brag about. You know. So in a way, like it, it, from a Brighton point of view, you could see it was just with desserts that like he chats shit and Malpe scores. But of course, from an Arsenal point of view, it's the fucker that injured your keeper. So there's, there's always two sides to the argument. Like, um, but like I said, like a, a more a more sensible Arsenal team from the ground up, and we're going to touch on this in the hand of Cod later on. Like a more sensible team would not have shit the bed like that, even with an injured keeper. They would have just kept the goal, kept the level, and tried to get another one rather than trying to sit back when they physically can't. On that, um, we. Uh Two of our players that have played 90 minutes for the three games that we've had this season. I know we haven't got onto the next part, match yeah. yet, but it's Bellerin and Mustafi are two of those. And mm. Saka, uh, Saka, no, not Saka, uh, Abemian. Yeah. Um, but Bellerin is one that I would consider a leader. But at the minute, he's been asked to do kind of, his jobs have been different in the matches that we've seen. So in that Brighton game, mm. um, he had Pepe in front of him. Pepe, we all know, can't defend and isn't a defensive-minded player. So every time the ball got lost from Pepe, Bellerin had to double back. And what we had originally seen as big promise from Bellerin was, you know, the fact that we could hit people on the break and that he had great recovery speed. But it's kind of a well-known fact that after you do your ACL, speed is one of the things that has to come back to you and it usually comes back quite slowly. Yeah. Um, and he just doesn't have that recovery speed yet. Now, at the same time, coming into the match day uh, three and four, Bellerin's going to be tired. Bellerin is after being out for months and months and months, and he's a bit like, but we've no cover on that right hand side. Um, and what I found is that he was so. I think he would have been a better leader if he didn't have so many jobs to do because yeah. he's just he's covering back. He's not he bombed forward a little bit in that Brighton game but we saw then in the next game he really didn't bomb forward at all which I suppose we'll come to it but I do think uh, one of the things that's been highlighted in these two matches against City and against Brighton is how weak our midfield is like Brighton uh, it's like Mui Mui whatever his name is he was absolutely boss he was just breaking up Ceballos getting the ball and running running mad through our midfield and uh, that's just it just made it highlighted like that's Ramsey we are missing Ramsey like Ramsey wouldn't have lost the ball like Tobias did there mm. um, um, and also he would have provided those true balls for Pepe really well or Aubameyang on the other wing like he just I, I think he's been a way bigger loss to the club than we possibly could have imagined and yeah. possibly given credit to so far because our midfield has looked decimated. We're looking at Xhaka as a, you know, he can do the Ramsey role. He can't do the Ramsey role. Um, 
And until we get someone in like Ramsey, we're not going to have any sort of cohesion between our defence and attack, which was huge issue against Brighton. Mm, yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch again on Arsenal uh, later on in the show. Uh, we have a few other games that did happen at the same time. Uh, one of them was West Ham Wolves, which is a 2-0 win to, uh, to Wolves. Uh, not much to say about this match. Wolves are just by far a better team. West Ham parked the bus and failed um, because they forgot to quantify what is the monstrous Adama Traore. Uh, one thing I would say about Wolves is that they, I think, are one of the better teams for their subs since, since the start because what they've been doing is they've been keeping Traore off the pitch until the last half an hour. And holy shit, if you're like completely knackered and you're trying to defend and on comes him, you're fucked. You're just like, you, you just want to go home at that point because you've just been run ragged by other players for 60 minutes and now comes the fucking Lamborghini to start driving around. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and it's worked. Like, they've won all their games so far and it's because they've used this, the tactic. Like, it's perfect. Um, yeah. Uh, otherwise, then, we have uh, Bournemouth nil, Crystal Palace 2. Uh, I won't say much on Bournemouth because I am going to do what's called in the business a character assassination on them later on. Uh, and rightfully so, I think they are royally fucked. Uh, and losing to uh, Roy Hodgson uh, 2-0 at home pretty much sh- uh, confirms that. Although I will say about Roy Hodgson, lovely hair since the lockdown. He's, uh, he's got like a lovely little cotton candy malarkey going on there. Looks, look, he looks radiant, is what I'm saying. Lovely plumage for now, like himself. Um, <laughs> after that then, we have uh, one, of the, one of the more surprising results, actually, from this. Newcastle 3, Sheffield 0. Um, a lot of it coming from the John Egan um, sending off, but Newcastle were decent. Like, and I'm and I'm shocked to even say that. Uh, Almiron, fucking Saint Maximan, they all look pretty fit. Joe Ellington scored a goal eventually, and uh, that was before that was after he had uh, been in on goal and uh, tripped over his own feet before he could hit the shot, which was just forty yeah, million well spent. Absolutely, Saint Maximan proven that uh, dribbling in your back garden uh, against your dog. Um, looks like it's actually looks like it was actually a pretty fucking good thing yeah it's a good tactic yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean if you can beat something with four legs you've got no chance against a two leg person you know Absolutely. that's how it works <laughs> smart tactic uh, fairly close match then between Arsenal and, or sorry not Arsenal uh, Aston Villa and Chelsea uh, Villa taking the lead initially giving Chelsea a wee bit of a scare but then Frank Lampard's Chelsea came back then uh, from Pulisic and Giroud uh, I suppose there are two dream bolts in the team. That's that's about it, really. Uh, to each their own, really, I guess. Um, yeah, no, you're right. There is only one dream bolt. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, a party Pulisic is a bit of a is a is a big deal in America. That's that's mm-hmm. why I mentioned it. Technology malfunctioning technology also playing a part in this um, in, in that match as well. With a uh, Villa taking the very unusual um, tactic of turning on the sprinklers. Did oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. The, the pitch sprinklers turned on on the fourth minute and soaked uh, Arizabalaga. Perfect. I love that there's like some guy, like, you know, in the you know sprinkler control rooms, like, wait for now. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do that? What did you do that for? It's funny. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, that's good. Um, other game then on that fixture uh, was the uh, Merseyside Derby. Um, which ended as a nil-all uh, draw. Pretty weak match, to be honest with you. Um, 
it was a fairly rusty comeback for Liverpool. Uh, we didn't play Salah or Robertson. We were keeping them for the Palace game because we knew that was the more important game, that, 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 that lads. Um, but Everton were decent. Like, I'm not going to lie. They, they, do, they are a lot more cohesive than they were before the lockdown. Um, or at least, like, their kind of back four is. It's a very Ancelotti team now, you can tell. Like, the, the midfield is kind of the way he wants it. Although we can tell he still doesn't quite have the personnel there. He's trying to get like the likes of Tom Davies and uh, Sigurdsson to try to fit into square pegs, and it's not great. But he does have something with Richarlison and Calvert Lewin, so that's good. You know, he's got a good partnership there. Uh, they've also been matched with, uh, they've also been hit with like a huge amount of injuries as well. Massive. Like, they, yeah. they, they played a, like an academy striker. <laughs> yes, they played uh, Anthony Gordon on the right flank, and uh, yeah. he was okay. Like he's he's a He's a typical kind of Evertonian youngster. Like he's he, he does good work, but there's not much like there's not much there to kind of like uh, sell on, if that makes sense. Like he'll play for Everton and that kind of it. Like like Tom Davids, you know, he's not like marketable, let's say. But again, they, they produce players like that all the time. Like they're a very very local club in that sense. Um, but yeah, we kind of we for all the purposes should have lost this game really based on the performance, especially towards the end where we were tiring. And Tom Davies was so fucking close to scoring. Like, it just nicked off the post and out. Uh, Allison was beaten. The defender was beaten. Uh, again, kind of a coincidence that Matip went off around the same time and Lovren came on. Read into that what you <laughs> will. Uh, but we, we, we got out there with a nil-all draw. And it, it suited us then. So, it was again, it was just kind of a case of, like, let's not, let's not lose this match. Let's just kind of, like, just take the point and, and go. Like, very, very respectful point from our point of view. Um, but the, the game I want to talk about actually was uh, the Man City game against Burnley, uh, 5-0. Uh, didn't watch all the match. I watched most of it. Um, uh, mostly because, like, again, I was hearing, like, they were, I was kind of hoping beyond hope that Burnley would fuck them up. Didn't happen. Burnley were terrible. Um, but the reason I'm talking about this match was that, like, we may have touched on it a few times over the few podcasts about Phil Foden. And there was just a part of me that just couldn't understand the hype around him. Um, especially from people in Man City and partic- particularly the England team. And like these were like at the times where like, oh, Phil Foden will get a call up and all this stuff. And I just said like, really? Like you've got Jack Grealish here who's doing bits for Villa and you've got this other player in playing really good football for somewhere else and someone else and someone else. And in my head, I was thinking, how on earth could you put Foden, who's had like a grand total of five minutes game time over the season, ahead of a Grealish or a, I don't know, a take your pick really from the number 10s. Madison uh, was what I was thinking of. And then I watched the match against Burnley and I said, now I get it. Now I know why, why this guy is, is highly touted. And um, he basically slotted in just where David's... You're a Grealish. What's that? And like, wouldn't you be sickened for Grealish? He's like, okay, there's no good number 10s coming out of England right now. I'm going to jump ship from Ireland over to England and, you know, steal that spot. Myself. Yeah. Oh shit, Bill Foden. <laughs> <laughs> that's mad. it's mad though because it was the same with the strikers for years they had fuck all strikers and then suddenly Harry Kane Rashford Vardy Calvert-Lewin all come out at Wilson fucking Sturridge they all come out of the woodwork at the same time and, they, and you have to pick and choose them like it's, it's mad um, but yeah I, I saw I saw it in that game why Phil Foden is good, is good and I do he's got up a lot of my estimation now granted the Burnley midfield were not there I don't know where they were I presume they're all getting medicals for fucking AC Milan because apparently that's what they're all doing. But uh, at least, at least, I could see, once he was given the space, he did shit with it. And like he's very, you can tell 
uh, you can tell that David Silva's done some special training with him. You can tell they're doing like a one-on-one or something and learning from the from the master of that type of play, because like all that he was doing was pretty much what Silva would do if he was twenty years old again, and like. If they did, if I, I really do hope that with Silver going, this puts Foden straight into the team. No messing, no fucking replacements that are costing them seventy million. Just put the lad in the team and let him work because the team is is designed well for him. You know, he play he plays well in the team. He's like indoctrinated with the Guardiola style at this rate. Just let him go because he's he scored two goals and they're two fucking crackers as well. So like, you don't need any more evidence to prove that he's a good player now. Well, he can't. I'm like, uh, yeah, like he, he's he's intelligent and he's very good on the ball. Mm. Um, you know, he's got his decision making seems to be quite on point. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like, I don't like to be honest with you. Like, it's difficult to stress how poor Burnley were. Like, That's true too. Yeah, they didn't have a single shot on target. They had one shot off target. Mm-hmm. You know. That's because they were trying to hit the plane down. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> they only, they only let's, had, not, let's not talk about that. <laughs> they had uh, one corner, you know. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, Foden was great. He, he was very clearly the top performer in this match. Mm. Um, and he still seemed to go from strength to strength every time you watch him. But, um, like, Burnley were fucking They were, terrible. yeah. They were, they were. And... Um, and uh, fortunately, they do kind of bounce back in the next match day, um, fortunately for them, because, well, they are kind of still in the hunt for Europe, but they're not really, if that makes sense. They're kind of there. They're in the party but not doing anything. They're kind of sitting in the corner drinking a fucking pint of gravy, you know? <laughs> that's, that's kind of what they're doing at the minute. Um, so, yeah, as we're saying, uh, match day 31 kicked off with uh, a thrilling, and the Lord says thrilling, nil-all draw against between Leicester and Brighton. Um, I couldn't tell you anything about this match. A top comment on the Sky Sports like highlights was, well done to Sky Sports for getting three minutes highlight out of this match. <laughs> Which really <laughs> says a lot, like, um, considering the nil-alls we've had so far. Um, Harry Kane stars, in giant quotation marks, in a 2-0 win for Spurs over West Ham. I, I, I saw a bit of this match. Harry Kane was not starring. He was exhausted after five minutes. And I still Harry don't understand. Kane was a selfish prick. In this match, shocked to hear that. Shocked to hear that. Like, um, like, um, there were so many chances where he took a fluff shot because hmm. the ball screamed to him and he panicked. And he was being like, but the commentator's like, oh, that was an excellent chance by Hurricane. It's like, what have been excellent if he'd actually hit the ball properly and didn't panic like a fucking child getting past the ball for the first time. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny how he still manages to panic on the ball. I was like, you, "What? <laughs> this is your job. <laughs> this is what you're meant to be good at." Like you're meant to do this every day for a living. Stop being afraid of it. Yeah, exactly. Kick the ball into the goal. I, I don't know why we have to keep this so basic, but here we are. Um, but yeah, like that, that's um, that's two losses now for West Ham in a row, and two pretty comprehensive losses. Like they've had, they haven't had much going in both in both matches. Like they're very much like in that scrap, uh, especially considering that like you could feasibly say Watford will would will get out of it. You know, they are playing better football. Villa, you can argue, are at least trying, but just their their the quality isn't there. So it's really a toss up between 
three like three teams now, isn't it? Like between Villa, uh, Bournemouth, and and West Ham to see who's the least worst. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like after this match, like I'd say that West Ham are really in the shit. Yeah, I mean, because you look at that defense. I mean, like Kane was smoking them for pace. Mm. Like, the way he was just walking through the offside trap and just going, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, yeah, and, it's bad. Uh, like, it, it's really bad. Like when he's outpacing you, you're slow. Yeah, this is, I was about to make that point. Like, if it's Harry Kane who is still, you can still see he's not. He's just not fit. He really isn't. Like, like even the way he walks. The, like, like, that's like being bet in a race with per merch stacker. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Like that's just like it's it's not a fair fight for anyone involved. It's not fight. It's not fair for having this tree running, and then it's not fair for the defenders being that slow. Like that's just un- that's unfair on both counts. Um, yeah, exactly. So uh, we have a few one nil wins then. Uh, Everton beating Norwich one nil. Although I, uh, I go back to that first game. Uh, just a quick one. Um, congratulations yeah. on uh, and on Belly uh, being. Um, <laughs> Taking up the Luke Shaw's mantle as Jose's new um, boy, bus yeah. parker, bus uh, guy under the bus person, <laughs> bus dumper. Yes. Ah. Oh. The yeah the the bullet shield. Isn't um, it amazing that Jose just seems to hone in on one player in the squad he doesn't like? He just I think he decides to buy lottery. Honestly, and he like, properly hangs him out the fucking dry, like. Yeah, well that's not really fucking news at this rate, is it? Like. I mean, he's fucking stuck with him because Spurs aren't signing anybody for the next five years. No, they ain't signing anybody. No. <laughs> it's just, it's it's mad, really. Um, yeah, so as I was saying, Everton beat Norwich uh, 1-0 to confirm that Norwich are indeed fucked uh, and they will still remain to be fucked now that they're, they're in the FA Cup as well as of tonight. Uh, Bournemouth, I would also consider fucked. They, beat, they lost to Wolves 1-0. Again, Jimenez and Traore doing the bits for them. Uh, Newcastle and Aston Villa uh, with a one-all, one-all draw. Newcastle took the lead, and uh, I had to laugh at this because uh, Dwight Gale scored the goal, and he was on as he came on as a sub to replace Joe Ellington, right? And he was only on the pitch for like two minutes, and he scored a goal. And I've never seen someone so disgusted to score in my life. Like he was, he was <laughs> sassy. Like it practically, he just scored. He like drills at home, nice tidy finish, and then like he just keeps like fucking mounting off. He going like fucking. He's, he's like mutley just fucking mumbling around the place and everyone's just going like is he angry that Joe Ellington is ahead of him in their pecking order oh yeah of course he is <laughs> like like he's just matched Joe Ellington for Premier League goals and he's only been on the pitch two minutes you know but that's you can see where he's coming from like um, but yeah uh, Villa eventually got back uh, because of a fuck up on Dubravka uh, just chalk up through all the other goalkeeping errors that's been happening lately and um, so at least Villa got a point. That's something at least they they they've got two points. They're like they are slightly better than what they were, but considering that they could have like beat Sheffield with a game in hand, they did rattle Chelsea a little bit. Like two points isn't really good enough for them, and uh, it's kind of looking like I I checked the rest of their fixtures. They've all got three tough run-ins. Villa has to play Liverpool. Uh, Bournemouth have to play like most of the top six. Uh, West Ham have to play most of the top six as well. About ourselves and. Uh, Curiously enough, the last uh, match of the season features Bournemouth versus Aston Villa. And, uh, Ooh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's going to be fucking winner takes all, I think. Um, winner, winner gets their team not to be fucking liquidated, I would say. Um, 
So that'll be interesting. Uh, next up then was uh, Anthony Martial 3, Sheffield United 0. Uh, again, a good performance from Man United, but a very abject one from Sheffield. Like it's, it was very much like the, uh, like the Man City Burnley game. It was just like one team were, so, were really, really good and one team was really, really bad. You know, and that says a lot. It's it's kind of shocking to say that about Sheffield because they've been one of the best performers before the lockdown. I wouldn't even. But they haven't. I don't think they've like adjusted to after lockdown. Yeah, like, they yeah, fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a pity as well because had there not been the lockdown, you could feasibly say they could have challenged for the Europa League. And oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. Sheffield United are the type of team that Manchester United would have been really struggling against. Yeah, you know, um, it, the exact kind of side that uh, Manchester had struggled against so far this season. Even not even you don't even have to go to any other season. Mm. So um, to see how much of a fucking free fall they're in post the restart was um, oh, it was terrible. Like yeah. <laughs> And uh, I, what I quite liked, um, one thing, the only thing I will say was that um, Ole really rubbed it in by waiting until the 80th minute mm. when Sheffield were 3-0 down and pretty much just had given up. They just wanted to go home before yeah. making all five subs. I love goal. that. I love that. Just tip, first, I, I pulled that shit in football manager and it always worked. The Never first failed. ever quintuple substitution and he does it in the 80th minute when he's 3-0 up. <laughs> I'm going, let's change half the outfield players. Are you it, fucking idiots, mate? They, they should have done that thing where they were supposed to have entrance teams for the players. Uh, this is like one of the rejected ideas from the Premier League to basically give like players a mental edge coming on. You know, like a motivational boost to like put up with the fact that they're now two stone heavier than they used to be. And uh, I just would have loved the idea of them kind of coming out like a fucking Survivor Series team. And now representing Ted DiBiase is... Phil Jones, Matteo Darmian, and all their fucking like team songs are playing in the background, like, and fucking like just <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon just letting them, Howard Finkel just letting them fucking on, like you know, with big microphone down the bottom, you know. The lockdown could have been a lot easier, is what I'm trying to say. Like they could have made a show of it, but they didn't, you know. Can I just jump got- in with um, Fernandez for yes. um, for Manchester United? Some fucking signing they made. Mm-hmm. He has made. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I was. I watched the first half of this match, and he was just dancing around the Sheffield United midfield, and it made me quite sad that he doesn't play for Arsenal. So yeah. Yeah. There. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. Like I, the way I'd say that is like Bruno Fernandez is to Man United is what Van Dijk was for us. Like it is a player that they had been desperately missing for so long because Pogba wasn't filling that role really. Uh, anyone else who were kind of getting in just wasn't it was close to it but not like Fred that's what I was thinking of Fred was, was supposed to fill that role didn't quite do it but now Bruno is smack bang in the middle of both and he's made both of them play making them play so much better and now because you have such natural width in the team again like the team looks really really good now because all he was was, the, was a missing piece of the puzzle now all of it makes sense and, and the player and the team is so much more harmonious if United were able to get like a fairly decent striker in the summer, then that team you could argue are are going places. You know, you could say like they're they're targeting top four or title again next season, and they could still do with like you know not mugs in defence. But again, that's 
that's for next season to decide, I guess. But at least like having Bruno there is a step in the right direction. You can feasibly yeah. say no. There's a huge a, leap right again. in the right direction. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so then moving on then to the matches we're going to talk about. Uh, first off, myself, talking about our 4-0 win against Crystal Palace. Uh, a very symbolic match, fair to say, uh, considering that like uh, Palace have typically been the ones to reign on our parade, whether it's been in the fucking FA Cup with Alan Pardew in like tightest shorts humanly possible, or as we uh, as other fans have christened it, uh, Istanbul a couple of years ago, where we surrendered a 3-0 uh, lead and had made Luis Suarez cry, which I'm sure every every impartial fan loved to see, and I can totally understand that. Um, just to be able to see us just like just wipe these guys away, not only because it was Crystal Palace and also Roy Hodgson, you know, it was like it was like an exorcism, you know, it was like we had finally we had finally like taken the fucking holy water, splashed it on Ray Lewington's face, he vomited everywhere, and then suddenly we're Premier League champions. Like, it's a miracle. But no word of a lie, like this is one of our best performances of the season, which says a lot. Like, Palace were terrible. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Klopp might have bollocked you um, after the Everton match. Because um, mm, that, that was quite abject for a Liverpool performance. Um, yeah. And then it was just like, switch up, switch up the gears or we'll be the laughing stock for throwing away this lead. That's exactly what it felt like. It felt like, uh, granted, having Salah back in now helped a good bit and having Robertson there because our main issue was that we had no like threat down the left flank. Uh, in the Everton game, and I was considering that was a game where they were playing a 19-year-old Gordon and like Lucas Dean, uh, no, Lucas Dean, uh, Colin. So Coleman was basically doing the work of two men there. So if we had put Robertson Salah into that game, we would have actually give given Everton a threat. But because we were working with Milner, who went off, and then Minamino, it, it just wasn't there. At Eastern Palace, this was also full beans, and we just we just blew them away. Um, uh, Salah goal was gorgeous actually no Fabinho was gorgeous through the entire game like uh, he didn't have a great season because of the ankle injury and he just generally looked like he was struggling for fitness lockdown happens he's fully healed up and as you can see like he just floats over one of his fucking passes that he does seem to do every single time he's on the ball which is an over, top, over the top pass over the defensive line Salah lands onto it and he starts at home and then Fabinho himself, do you know what? This goal, the goal scoring thing sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to do it too. And it just hits one from 30 yards, as you fucking do. So I, I, I purred over that goal in particular. Um, so yes, if anything, it was, it was, a, it was a comprehensive uh, result, but just for the degree of relief involved in it, because it, in an alternate timeline, we would have fucked that game up. And then we would suddenly we had doing this podcast going, it, are Liverpool bottling it? Yes, they yeah, fucking are, because they just lost to Crystal fucking Palace and Roy Hodgson. Thankfully, didn't happen. And uh, the the best case scenario happened then a couple of day uh, a day later, um, which we'll get to shortly. Um, the other game then on my list uh, is uh, Arsenal uh, two Southampton nil. Uh, Burkba, I believe this is uh, your shout, and tell us how Arsenal got back on track. Um, so yeah, this is a Southampton away. Um, never, we're never quite comfortable. Um, for some reason, Arsenal. Well, I, I completely understand it. Like being intimidated by Shane Long, um, is quite. You know, uh, I can Yaller, understand that. Yaller, yeah, 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 he's a beautiful man. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, 
no, we, we actually, we had a bit of a different formation again. Um, uh, Inketia brought back on and he did a fantastic job. Um, his role was to kind of disrupt the Southampton's pass out from the back. And how that worked out was fantastic because he uh, caused a phenomenal goalkeeping error, which I'm not going to talk too much about because I know Neil will probably want to jump in on that. Um, And just, you know, one of these poster goals, it wasn't kind of sleek or, you know, anything particularly, you know, fancy about it. It's not like Arsenal trying to walk the ball in. No, this was like fucking, you know, scrappy as you get. Uh, our second goal came from a free kick. Um, absolutely woeful uh, attempt at a challenge on Aubameyang. I was actually quite annoyed with this because the referee blew up, even though he was true on goal. Mm. Um, which, like you know, I think had play continued, he would have scored anyway. Uh, but the referee brought it back, sent the player off, and gave us a free kick outside the box, which was terribly taken by Lacazette. He gets a second shot, gets a decent. Uh, you know, put his boots through it or put his laces through it, and um, Willock got the the, the follow up, which is nice to see that we have two academy players on the score sheet for the first time in ages. Like like mm. as the only scorers, we've got Enketia then and Willock. Um, as far as tactics go, I found this was quite a similar tactic game tactics wise as the Brighton match had started out. But what we had was Saka was kind of in the Brighton game, we kind of played this roving, like kind of roving reporter, kind of running around, kind of picking up where it needed, where it wasn't quite structured. Whereas in this game, he was very much focused out on the, the left with Tierney on the left of a back three. And yeah, no, that I think this worked well tactics wise. Um, we had no kind of early injuries to try and you know, contend with for the first time since the end of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Arteta was able to make his substitutions kind of as you as he had planned to, I suppose. The only one possibly being enforced was Tierney, but I'm not entirely sure he would have made it to the end of the game anyway because he's only coming back from his long-term injury. Um, yeah, he seemed to be going down with, like, cramp. Yeah. When he, when he was started limping around, I was like, oh, my fucking God, no. But yeah, it just seemed when you saw how he was reacting to whatever pain he had, I was like, "Oh, he's still got fucking cramp." Yeah, you know? it's understandable as well. Uh, like he's Scottish in that heat, like it was thirty-two degrees. Like poor man's yeah. never seen that heat. Those those high numbers, unless you look at Fahrenheit. Um, <laughs> I say I say he put on an extra half stone with all the factor fifty on him. Yeah, <laughs> weighing him down <laughs> like it was couldn't sweat through it. Slippery. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, kind of a highlight for me is Emmy Martinez. Um, this was kind of like his first kind of chance to make a mark for himself as the Arsenal keeper. And I think he did really well. He had one, there was two good saves he had to make. Uh, one of them being from Schlong, who like, cut through Mustafi like he was there, which, you know, nothing new for Mustafi. But um, yeah, no, it was, it was a good, good save by Martinez. Ended up kind of uh, point blank kind of save like we'd mentioned earlier but then smothering the follow up um, but yeah no it was a good match like I'm not going to go over the fucking top saying oh we're back we're back in business boys um, no we're we're still a very young side that is going to have to 
do something with the midfield. Tobias played nearly the whole match again, and how he how he's getting that much game time, I I it's because of lack of options. But yeah, there's no one else. There's not really I just, one else. Um, I, and then I can't believe I'm saying this, but I holding that man of the match. I think the BT man of the match. Um, and he was very good. Cleared everything that came near him. Had like a huge, like ninety six or ninety eight percent successful pass rate. Um, but my man of the match, and I can't believe I'm saying this, was Granite Jacket. Um, I found that he just did the work that I suppose his job that he was probably bought in to do, which is like clean up, spread the ball, play, do not Back get in the involved. Midfield, yeah. no kind of um. Xhaka can't dribble, like uh, he can't do that kind of creative midfield role, but he can be the kind of midfield enforcer kind of a thing. Um, and I think he did that very well. And I think um, we we missed him in the other two matches that he, he obviously he left in the first few minutes of the City match, and then he was out again for the Brighton match. But I I think having him back actually settled us a good bit. Um, there was not too much panic. Whenever we'd lose possession and get caught on a break, um, so it was good. No, I, it was the happiest I've been with our sub performance in like four months. So what, you know, that's only a good well, thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think the two, the thing is, is that it was a more calming, asserted um, performance, and not just because Southampton didn't push us, they did. But like we were saying there, that uh, Martinez had to make two good saves, but. Like they're they're saves that you would expect a professional goalkeeper to make, you know. Mm. Like if had he not made those saves and they'd have gone in, I'd be like, that's a fucking howler. Like mm. they weren't wonderful fucking yeah. saves. Um, but the thing, the calming influence of holding, who I think deserved the man of the match, he made seven clearances, he had the highest passing percentage on the team. Um, but yeah, Xhaka anchored the midfield, made it very tough for. Southampton to try and get through and yeah he just left the two of them just spread this calm throughout the whole defensive unit of the team which um, when was the last time we could say that yeah no it's been, That's true, it's been yeah. a fucking while but it, it is it is also still very clear that we don't really have much of a midfield yeah yeah that's still the case um, so yeah fair enough Bellerin, uh, uh, just quick note there Bellerin has been getting a lot of Stick for his performance in this game, but like, like people kind of jumping on, like, oh, he's done, he's done, he's done. Like, no, he, like, he, this is his third 90 minute match in three days, or not three days, in like eight days after however long he's been out. Um, I, and look, coming back from an ACL injury is one of the fuckest, toughest injuries to come back from. And if he needs that extra time give it to him because he's a leader on the pitch there and uh, again he had Pepe on his wing and he had to do that kind of extra double job of defending so I, I wouldn't I, I just want to kind of put it out there that like he has been getting some criticism and some flack but I I would um, yeah no I, I'd still per- persevere and wait for him to come good again because he's going to come good again yeah it'll happen like um, as you said ACLs take a long time like we know ourselves uh, from Ox because uh, when he uh, raked his ACL a year or two ago against Roma, um, we didn't use him until about a year. And the reason we did was, like, he, he was he was months ahead of his recovery. But the point was that, like, the, the reason we needed him was his, like, 
his brutality uh, when he's playing. Like he's so physical and so like he charges forward. You know, there's no point playing Ox if you're not going to be able to, you know, use him like a fucking ox. So I said, okay, we'll let him keep training, keep getting the speed up. And it was all about the performance, you know. Obviously, Arsenal don't really have that luxury in that you kind of do need to play Bellerin because Cedric is still injured. Um, and you don't really have a natural right back to kind of fit in, or at least a, a player that you couldn't arguably say is first team quality. So you're, you're kind of you're kind of hamstrung in that sense. Um, so yeah, like it, it does take that long time, especially because Bellerin's like best attribute you would say is his speed, is a, is his, is his agility to bomb up the pitch. Um, I suppose like once you do have like when you do have him at full speed, uh, ironically. And him and Saka on those flanks, it, again, if you do stick with this kind of back three setup, like that team is going to look pretty impressive going forward. It's just getting that central midfield working. And you, Imagine we had Fernandez yeah. in that central midfield. Like that would have just been. Oof. Yeah, that's the type of player you need to be chasing, but they're very few and far between. And ultimately, like people are wise to that now. Uh, so that's why you're, you have to pay. Six. That's why we had to play fifty million to Kate for Kate, and we're not even really using them that much, um, which says a lot really about the likes of like buying Wijnaldum for the money we did at the time, because those players now are like fucking gold dust. You know, it's gas really how it works out. And um, even look at the likes of Neves and fucking Moutinho for Wolves. Like they're do they're deep line playmakers, and they got them for pittance. So it, it, it like some teams are are behind the curve in that sense, and Arsenal kind of are. Because they are trying to like make something out of Guendouzi and make something out of Willock when like you have to pay like 50, 60 odd for a for a player like Bruno Fernandez and there's only really one of them, one of him around. So you're kind of you kind of have to concede defeat on that one. Uh, yeah. Um so the other match that um that happened in that match day was Burnley won Watford nil. There's not much to say about that one really. Uh, Watford lost and Nigel Pearson was very angry which is uh, doubly worse now considering he seems to have spent his lockdown working out because his arms are fucking massive now. Um, so best not to... Maybe that's how they survive. Is basically he gets... Yeah. Uh, I have to say, Bert, but your technique is terrible. You do not go Jack. <laughs> that is not the way to do it. And you're doing downwards. Like, what the, what's the downwards there? Like, that's horrible. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, like maybe that's the way they're tactic of saying up is basically Nigel like intimidates people <laughs> into like submission. It's just like we're gonna win, or I'm gonna get mad. I was like, yeah, no, go three 0 yeah, absolutely, just fucking go, Jesus. I know what you did to those dogs. Um, not in a sexual sense, obviously. Uh, so the last match day, last match on that on the match day then was a pretty fucking significant one, lads. It was Chelsea two, Man City one. Frank Lampard's Chelsea won us the Premier League. That's a fucking sentence. Uh, again, there was there was some sort of like remarkable twinge of irony that it was Christian Pulisic who was like Klopp's little baby at Dortmund, and Willian, a player that Chelsea sniped off us seven years ago, that scored the goals to win us the league. There's something just really harmonious about that. There's some sort of like weird karma about that, but it's it was a it was a really bad performance by City. Not got, no, no word of a lie there. Chelsea were just good. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was looking at them playing, going, where was this defense? Particularly for Pulisic's goal. Oh my um, God! What the was, fuck happened there? Which was Mendy. Mendy um, yeah, Mendy. Mendy looked at um, David Luiz's performance and went, "I bet you I could do that and not get sent off." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what happens. Um, and then Fernandinho went, oh, hold my beer, mate. Uh, I bet you I can do something worse than what Louise did. Oh, and get dear. said that. So, like, I was just looking at this this performance going, what the absolute fuck? Who is this? This can't be the same team that played us. Mm. I genuinely, honestly, if you did, if the big reveal at the end of that match was that it wasn't actually City that Chelsea were playing, it was in fact Arsenal in a in a City strip, <laughs> I'd have been like, oh, fucking minute. <laughs> <laughs> I recognise that bob of hair anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, so it it was it was fucking it was crazy. Like yeah. It, it, it was, was crazy. I will, I will say I was watching this with Nordy, and I didn't tell him what any of the implications were. If you know, you know, City were to win or whatever. Yeah, we we should tell but the people that Nordy is a massive jinx when it comes to football. So if you tell, yeah. if you get them to watch something and say what happens, the opposite will happen. That's why you don't have him in the room for Arsenal games, like because he is a yeah. colossal jinx. Um, he did his two matches. He was there for Brighton and he was there for City. Um, he's not allowed to come to my own football matches. He has to sit in the car park. Um, and that's not even a joke. Like, that that's is actually, not, that's the thing. Um, like my dad comes to, came to a final that I was at and was texting him, okay, there's two minutes left in the game. They're three points up. Come on out. And then as James got out of the car, we conceded a goal uh, which put us level and he's like get back in the fucking car <laughs> <laughs> this is so um, funny yeah you're, as you're saying so he was uh, watching this and I was like um, he obviously got from the, the commentators cues what was going on he was like oh Justin's not going to be happy I'm watching this and I was just like oh no no this will make it even better like he'll enjoy beating the city to win it like next week and he was like oh okay well if that's still the case then I don't mind um, but yeah, no, he was just like, what the hell is going on? He just handballed it. Like, you know, the, there was a clearance off the line by Walker, which he was like, oh my God, well done, Kyle Walker. He's like, no, you're not. I'd like him. He's like, okay, shit, Kyle Walker. <laughs> um, no, but like the handball then, he, he kind of went on a tirade about like, why do footballers do this? You know, because he brought him flashbacks to Thierry Henry doing this to us. Mm. Um, but no, he it was it was absolutely like hilarious to watch with someone who was neutral to the point where like they didn't know who the players were, didn't mm-hmm. know anything because there were so many chances, so many errors. Like yeah. it wasn't necessarily like fantastic football play that was getting us like excited. It was oh shit, that's a terrible pass back. Oh look, he's latched onto it. Oh my god, it's cleared off the line. Ah! clusterfuck of um, fun yeah. and then unfortunately it meant Liverpool won but like it was a good match in the end <laughs> yeah it was gas like it was like I, I was kind of I was in a, I was doing something at the time so I didn't actually watch the match and I was kind of glad I didn't because I would have had a nervous breakdown if I did um, it hasn't really sunk in I'm not going to lie like I, like if I, I don't think it's going to sink in until I see them lift, actually lifting the trophy because it's that sort of weird distance where, like, yeah, I know we've won. Yeah, I know. We, I got it. Like, and then it's, there's still, like, a part of your head, like, no, no, listen to what you're saying. You've just wait, you, you've never seen this in your life. You've never seen Liverpool as Premier League champions. This is, like, what happened to Leicester, practically, because they've never seen this happen to their team. We've never seen this ha- I've never seen this happen to Liverpool. 
that they're actually Premier League champions. Champions League winners, fine. That, I've got two. Of, I've got two in my lifetime. Easy. That's that's a handy one. But like, for so many people, this means so much. And like, it's it's very hard to relate it to Arsenal fans. I know, but like, because you've had the invincible seasons and you've had something a run very similar to ours. In fairness, and like, obviously, the invincibles ones it still holds on, and our ones hasn't. But like at this point, like I don't fucking care. Like it, it, we've we've won it. We've won the Premier League. Now it, it doesn't matter if you won it by twenty three points or one point. We've done it. That's the that's the whole point. And the sheer fact that like we've had so many terrible teams over the last thirty years. You know, like you look back at fucking what Roy Hodgson did with his time. And granted, God love him, he was a stooge. Like he was left. He was left for dead with fucking Hicks and Gillette. Uh, and they, they use him as an excuse to buy complete trash. Um, but even before then, you like Liverpool always had like a good, a, a fun team. They had like a Michael Owen or Steve McManaman in or whatever it was. And it just wasn't enough to challenge for, for leagues because you had grown-ups like Man United and Arsenal and at the time Blackburn who knew what the fuck they were doing and challenging for titles. And Liverpool were going like, oh, look, they're cute. Look at them fighting with Newcastle for a league position. No, that's cute. Look at them. Um, and then suddenly... Uh, Stick kicks off then, and you get like Gerard Houllier winning trophies left, right, and center. And it's nearly there, no, gone again. Then Rafa comes in, Champions League win, second, ah, not good enough. And that was one of our better, t- best teams ever. We had a midfield of Xabi Alonso, Mascherano, and Gerard. That's insane to have those three class fucking players in the one team and Torres as the main striker. That's nuts. Still wasn't good enough. Then you have Brendan Rodgers, which is which in the grand scheme of things is a freak accident because he just managed to like all his job was was to get Suarez, Sturridge, and Sterling all on the same team sheet. That was his job, and he did it. Simple as. And his magic and somehow he was able to get a tune out of Skirtland Agar, who I still love, but they're terrible fucking defenders. Like they're not they're not gonna be Premier League winners. Um, and then suddenly Jurgen Klopp comes in. And, like, I think someone, I don't know who would said it, it just seemed like a, a natural fit, and they are a natural fit. Like, it's, like, Liverpool is the closest club to a Borussia Dortmund in terms of, like, the team spirit and the way the club functions, practically. Um, so it was such a natural fit for, fit for Klopp to come in, and he just treated it as the same thing. He just bought players that suited the system. But if anything, they're, they're doing it better than Dortmund did because Dortmund are now, were, are still a selling club. They're still the second team in Germany. For a, lot of, for a lot of people. For Liverpool now, you could feasibly say number one because they're treating themselves as number one. You know, like obviously Manchester City on paper are still the best squad and they have probably the biggest money. But Liverpool have a, a, a vein of excellence throughout the team. And that's been proven because we've gone 20, we've gone pretty much like with one exception throughout the entire, we've beaten every other team in the league. We're 23 points uh, ahead of our nearest rival we get to play next and they have to give us a guard of honour. If they had won against Chelsea, if we beat them at their fucking home turf, we would have won the league. That's absurd. Like, no, no matter how many probabilities we would have had as Liverpool fans, we would have never have thought that's how we were going to win the league, to utter domination. Because every Liverpool fan is a nervous wreck when it comes to this shit. We don't, like, our club doesn't do these things easy. We're winning Champions League finals because we're like fighting from three 0 down, or we're having a horrible match against Spurs. Like that, like, and it's just close game. Then after that, we never win anything by pure dominance. So it's such a weird feeling to have 
aced it, has done, to have done it so well, you know, and that's kind of why I think it hasn't sunk in because it doesn't feel like a Liverpool victory. It feels like a, a victory for like a Man United or a Chelsea, just utter dominance, you know, like it's just their year and they've won it and it's done, you know. So in a way, it shows you how far we've come because we've looked at like a Sir Alex team or a Jose Mourinho team and said, fuck, why can't we just have grown-ups like that within fucking league titles rather than fucking about with Joe Cole? Those days are gone now. We're the grown-ups. We're the teams that everyone's looking to go like, okay, what are they doing that we're not? How can we get, get past them? And that's the, that's the exciting part because now we're going to have to do it all again next year and try and defend the title, which we've never done before. We don't know. We could bottle, we could fuck it up next season or we could do the same thing. Nobody knows. That's the exciting part. Now we're champions. We are the gold standards. And who fucking knows what's going to happen? Like we're going to have, there's going to be teams like buying players left, right, and center just to try and keep up with us now. And that's absurd to think considering the fucking amazing business we've done. This is, now, I would agree with you. I would like to think. I don't probably be too this happy. I have to have um, something (laughs) Something to to knock down. It feels weird to me being this happy as well. Like it's it's an inner like a serenity about it. It's like yeah, I do. Yeah, I do feel like this has been one of the weakest years of Premier League football in terms of like you've got the likes of Sheffield United challenging for Europe. You've got mm. Burnley up there, and I know it's going to sound like I'm taking away from your victory because I'm trying to, but this is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like this is a very weak you're the best of a weak bunch mm. like, and you're you're very much the best you can't deny that you're the best yeah. of a weak but it is you've got Chelsea who at the start of the season looked absolutely shot mm. um, Man United who have been so topsy-turvy with Oli um, Pep I suppose and his Man City team is probably the only ones that you were Realistically, I can't remember what our predictions were at the start. I think I had City to win it. Same thing um, here, I think, yeah. I think I did. Um, hmm. um, oh, no, I had Chelsea to win it. We did too. Oh, yeah. yeah, you did. You did. I think so. Mm. Um, but, like, they, they, like, our predictions in that case just kind of fell flat. But, like, there's been no big upsets. There's been no... Like the upsets being that everyone's been so shit. Yeah. Um, and like, um, it's easy to when you have your shit together and you've got kind of good, um, you've got good buys coming into your team, like Minamino coming in. You've made mm. good purchases with for the squad. When you're being managed well and you're yeah. buying players that make sense, yes, all of that is going to work out in your favor. When everyone else is a shitstorm of mediocrity and fucking brown envelopes under the table. Yeah, um, that's the difference. Like, it, we do feel like, and that, that's my kind of my point, like, we're the only grown-ups in this league now. You can even look at Man City and say, like, you know, you know Vincent Company, the guy that won you the title last year, have you tried replacing him? No? I thought, what about the billions you have in the bank balance? Have you not tried assigning a, a Harry Maguire or Koulibaly? No, you're just going to roll with John Stones? Okay, you fucking roll with John Stones then. See how well that turns out. And Otamendi. And Otamendi. Like, how does a team with that much bank balance still roll with centre-backs who, let's face it, couldn't go into a fucking League 2 side half the time? You know, oh, like that's... They're so heavily dependent on Laporte. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and they suffered for it because he was out for the entire season. 
but yeah, your, your your point is very valid in that sense. And I do hope, like again, because now we're we're the top side, we we will behave like that. You know, we will like go out and like not overhaul the squad. We'll do the one and two replacements. We'll we'll probably replace Shakiri. We'll probably replace Alana, and that'll be it, really. You know. Um, I don't think we're going to tear apart the team not yet anyway because everyone's kind of like they're in a, a nice kind of like age bracket now at the moment so like the front three will be like the, the quickest to go old and then they might be sold on or someone will come in for an offer and we'll have someone ready to go to replace them you know that's why they're already talking about the likes of Sancho and Mbappe and all these crazy names that like six months ago we would have said we're not fucking signing Mbappe like, he's, like, fucking worth 300 million. We're not going to spend that much money on him. We're not going to sign Sancho. He's, like, 100 million. You know, who fucking knows at this point? Like, you know, Champions of England gets you a lot, opens up a lot of doors, you know? Um, especially with the Nike money coming in. So, like I said, I do hope we, we treat ourselves as champions and fucking spread the wealth. Like, get money into the squad, invest into the youth team, give a fucking chunk load to the women's team, get them back up to where they should be because... Again, we're, we're Premier League champions, Leo. Let's start fucking acting like it. You know, it, look, we're the team to beat. Let's be the team to beat everywhere because that's the way yeah. Liverpool should be, you know? Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, in terms of the uh, Premier League table, obviously Liverpool are kind of... Uh, I've settled that in some regard, but I suppose the more the most interesting battle is still the top four. Uh, Man City are well ahead, goes without saying. Uh, Leicester on the other hand now Leicester have got dragged into this fight um, they're on 55 on third place Chelsea are on uh, 54 um, Wolves played today and they beat Villa 1-0 we'll, we'll, do, we'll talk to them talk about them in the next uh, rundown uh, so they're currently fifth uh, on 52 so Man United then are currently sixth on 49 and Spurs overtaking Sheffield and Arsenal they're in seventh and then top 10 ends with Sheffield, Arsenal and Crystal Palace so like realistically, you could say like the battle is still between Wolves, United, and Spurs, um, because Arsenal have lost and Arsenal have ground at that point. So you'd have to be winning your next seven games to really be in contention. Um, still could do. When you look at, and when you look at what our next seven games are, that's just not going to happen. No. Uh, intriguingly enough, your next game is against Leicester. So that at least yeah. see how that goes. So, um, but then Leicester have been pretty poor. So you never know. You never know. Uh, oh, no, don't Burnley. We'd, we'd, we never know, but like we've got Leicester, we have Sheffield, don't we? Yes, in the FA Cup. Oh no, we've Sheffield. We've Sheffield tomorrow in the FA, yes. the FA Cup. Um, hang on. Well, you play oh, them I, again, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think we play them. Hang on, I'm just gonna pull them up. Hang on. Right. So sorry, apologies. Um, that the so we've Sheffield in the FA Cup tomorrow. Mm. Then Wednesday we've got Norwich, right? So we should win that. That would that be fine, yeah. Yeah, right. Good. But after that, then after that, then we've Wolves. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Wolves, Leicester. Um. Then it's the North London Derby. And then after the North London Derby, we have what will hopefully be a still hungover Liverpool. <laughs> Shit, yeah, we still we still have to play you guys. Fuck. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Okay. At home. Uh, then after uh, cider stinking Liverpool, hopefully, <laughs> uh, we have Villa. We have Villa. Then our final league game of the season is um, at home to Watford. Mm. 
Yeah, stats do. That's not a good run. It's so not. we're going to be playing Wolves, who are the good ones, next. Yeah. Yes. Or like Norris. Yeah. yeah, and at the very end, we're playing Watford, who aren't the good ones. But may yeah. be fighting relegation. So they will have yeah. something to fight for. They're, they're yeah. going go, to be going for that. Yeah. Yes, they will. They well, will. I mean, out of all of those, the, we've only two teams that really don't have anything to play for. And that's Norwich, because they're pretty much anchored to the bottom of mm-hmm. the table, and Liverpool, because you've already won it. And hopefully <laughs> by that point... You'll be take. You'll be hopefully your match warm up will be Ollie is taking like drinking Jägermeister out of the fucking <laughs> trophy. Yeah, it will. All, you, 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 like the guard of honor won't even be that. You'll you, be clapping away, and we're just going stop, stop, stop. <laughs> everybody, everybody arriving in like even though the match is taking place at like eight o'clock, everybody shows up in like dark sunglasses. <laughs> Turn off the fucking floodlights, lads, please. <laughs> This is unfair. Don't worry, we'll play, it, we'll play it the dark. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, Can somebody please shut the crowd up. You please lower the crowd down. Can someone please tape Firmino's mouth? It's too bright. Somebody please stop. <laughs> it's too much. Um, so yeah, Hendo, the rest of. Is... <laughs> Hendo, you're not looking yeah. well, man. Is it? Is this gonna be Milner? Just like it's just gonna be Milner playing against Arsenal. Like he's the only one that doesn't drink in the team. Like he's going like, oh, that's why I played me right being it. Ah, gonna. Gonna run fifteen k against Arsenal. No, no problem, lads. So with a with a propped up Allison and goal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cardboard cutout of Allison or uh, Andy Lonigan, as he's called. Um, <laughs> so he, we we're making him a Premier League champion. What the? Anyway, um, so Burnley as uh, uh, top up the uh, second half of the table. Everton are still twelfth, but they've closed the gap then to uh, you guys. They're actually they're. Closest, they're four points away from sevens. Like they could get Europa League football somehow. Um, emphasis on fucking somehow, considering uh, Newcastle still thirteenth, but they're like well comfortable. They're just gonna try and pick up money for the Saudis coming in, I guess. Uh, Southampton the same. They're fourteenth. Brighton, you could feasibly say are safe from the relegation scrap with the win against Brighton or win against Arsenal, Jeremy. Uh, and then the fun. This is the fun part. Watford on twenty eight. Um, we still have three teams on 27, which is West Ham, Bournemouth, and Aston Villa, um, all separated by a goal difference. And then Norwich, as Neil said, anchored to the bottom, six points away. So uh, it's it's getting pretty close, lads. Um, it could be fucking anyone at this point, like uh, because like like three of those, like two of those teams, you could say are are, are fucked. But like one win gets them out of trouble for for now at least. Um, and like I said, it's it, it could be anyone's game at that point. So yeah, it should be fun. 